Building an online business is more than branding, content, and sales. It's what happens behind the scenes during the highs and lows that make or break your business. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, and this is The Kim Doyle Show. I'll be sharing my own journey of 10 plus years growing an online business, as well as talking to entrepreneurs who are on the ground, creating, building, and showing up every day. Remember, do business as only you can do. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Kim Doyle Show. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, and today we're going to talk about something that, as much as it's not my favorite topic, our guest makes me a little bit giddy and pretty excited about actually focusing on this a little bit more. Uh, My guest today is Brendan Hufford. Brendan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on, Kim. I'm stoked. Yeah, so Brendan is an SEO guy. And what's really fun, I was thinking about it, Brendan, was that Brendan had joined content creators, somebody had asked a question, and he just immediately jumped in and did this big, great, long explanation. And I was like, hey, you want to do a live stream? (laughs) That happened pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I I do that. I'm in a bunch of Slack groups and Facebook groups and stuff too. It's just, it's as soon as somebody, there's also just so much information or misinformation out there on SEO where like people read a couple blog posts and they're just going to answer. And I'm like, no, 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 wait. Just, so I always try to like answer as thoroughly as possible and as quickly as possible when people have questions because I don't, I don't want it to seem like sorcery, you know? Which it does, or everybody goes, well, I got a green dot from Yoast, I'm good to go. So, yep. you know, we run with that. But so Brendan was kind enough to do a live stream that went a good 30 minutes past what he was supposed to do because there were so many questions, but it was it was so helpful and I'm super appreciative of that, Brendan. So um, let's go ahead and for the listeners who didn't get to join us on the live stream and everybody listening, I will link to that video as well in the show notes, but uh, can you share your background with the audience? Yeah, I'll try to make it as succinct as possible. So I went to college. I graduated high school in 2002. Uh, to some people, that makes me like a child, and some people, that makes me super old. <laughs> and it. Uh, so I graduated high school in 2002, and I went to college, and I was sitting in the. I got there a couple weeks before everybody else, and uh, <clears throat> I remember I was sitting in the uh, kind of just student union, looking through this giant course catalog because that's what they used to give you back then. It's giant phone book of all the courses and everything. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was literally there sitting there like, what do you want to be, Brendan? What do you want to do at 18? Because we let 18 year olds figure out what they want to do with their lives, which is a hor- like they can't drink alcohol, but like, please decide your, uh, your life path. And go into so, debt for it. And half the time, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was such a, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I decided I was going to be a teacher. And I did that for 10 years. I went to school for that. I taught for 10 years and I absolutely loved it. Um, the adults were probably the hardest part of it. But <laughs> what was great was I, I've realized kind of more recently that I'm naturally very introverted. Um, but my experience and my nature, you know, the nature versus nurture, while my nature is to be introverted, I've been nurtured into extroversion. Uh, switching schools a lot when I was younger and then teaching. You know, I've definitely got my 10,000 hours of public speaking up in front of 30 to 40 high schoolers that don't care about what I have to say. So I have to be on, I have to be the show and I love teaching. So I did that, decided for 10 years, decided not really my thing because the whole time that I was teaching on the side, I was building businesses. I was building, started a jujitsu apparel company. I started uh, like a review website. I started like a local community website. I did all of these different things, started a podcast. Um, and then after, you know, my 10th year in education, I was an assistant principal for two of those, not my jam. I was a great teacher, terrible manager of teachers. <laughs> turns out, turns out those are two totally different jobs. And when you realize that the, the next step up in your career is something you're horrible at. So you're kind of stuck, uh, is very frustrating. And full so, of bureaucracy, right? <laughs> oh, I, we won't get into okay. it. But it, it was it was frustrating enough that I, I wasn't one of the early quitters. Like most people quit teaching after three years, which is fine. No disrespect at all. Um, but I was in it and I was good. And I think I still am good at teaching. Um, I'm not just like an explainer. I'll actually like there's just methods of teaching and having people retain information that I'm really, really good at. And I didn't quit for lack of trying. I just decided this isn't what I could. I didn't w- want to do this for the rest of my life. So I kind of aligned my life. I started taking on, I sold all of my kind of side hustles um, just for like a nominal amount of money and just started taking on SEO clients. And that went really, really well. 
And I talked to some really smart friends and they're like, well, you could go full time with your own clients or see if you can get a gig, you know, doing what you do every, you know, you're, you know, with SEO at an agency. So I found a really great agency here in Chicago uh, where I could work for the agency. It's called Click Studios. I absolutely love them and uh, where I can work for them, but I can also do my own thing on the side. They're big believers that as I grow, they grow. Um, and I love it there. And that's what I do now. I have my own kind of personal SEO clients and consulting. And then I, at, you know, my day job at Click, I work for these really big, amazing companies that have huge you know, nation and nationwide and global impact and solve their uh, SEO questions and problems. So much in that. Well, and the thing that I think is super cool, well, first of all, I think I, I, think I even said that that was going to be the short version too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's a great story for what it's worth. And, um, and I totally agree that there are teachers who are great at what they do because they, it's kind of the same thing with content. You have to be engaging. You have to encourage, you know, the interaction and all of that stuff. Um, but, but kudos to Click Studios also for encouraging that, you know, it's, it seems like it's, it's just not rocket science to me for employers like, Hey, the happier your employees are, the better your company's going to do. You know, it just, mm-hmm. I don't know, not rocket science, but the benefit yeah, of that too, absolutely. I, would, I, would, I would think too that having some big clients that you have for your day gig essentially keeps you super up on, on your, you know, on your game. Not that you wouldn't be into it anyways. Um, but yeah, so how long have you been with Click Studios? So I've been at Click for a little bit over a year. I literally stopped teaching on a Friday and started working at Click on a Monday. Uh, the my my wife's plans for the my summer vacation that I had had for the last ten years went right out the window. She's like, "All right, I guess you just work this summer." And I'm like, "I think this is what the rest of the world does. <laughs> I think everybody like this is what this I don't is think anybody life. else gets the summers off." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was kind of an interesting thing to not have that big break. Um, but also, I just find the work so much more sustainable. I've been here a bit, yeah, around a year. Um, and the work is really interesting just because the challenges of a big company, you know, I have like clients here that are big companies with very small websites and I have big companies with huge websites. I have the challenges because I'm doing client services. I'm not just doing SEO on my personal blog, you know, I'm doing it for 30 to 40 clients at any given time on their sites, on their, how do I optimize their content? How do we build links to this, all these different things. Um, so the challenges are many, uh, but it, it is really, really good because it just, I find that I'm so much more well-rounded than, you know, what you'll read on a, on an SEO blog where you can clearly tell that that person while they're using examples from other people has clearly never done anything but blog about SEO. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that on the internet, right? But, uh, well, so let me ask you this. So as you started doing, when you started taking on your own SEO clients, it was because of what you had, you were pretty self-taught and what you had learned with all your side hustles. Yeah. I also take education, obviously, right? I take education very seriously. So I equipped myself as much as possible to serve those clients. I found the best, you know, I was already pretty much aware of what the big name courses were, but I was like, I want to look at for courses. I want to look for, uh, you know, uh, go on clarity.fm and I want to book time with people who are doing client SEO client services and talk to them, not just, you know, who the gurus are. And I did that and I learned a lot. And then I also, yeah, I think that that was like a really crucial step is just kind of figuring that out. Um, and then what's great is that when I work with e-commerce companies or anybody who has like a very standard small blog, we have a couple like local clients here in Chicago that have very, their websites are very straightforward. Like here's my service pages, here's my blog, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm a master at that because I've been doing that for six or seven years. Um, so a lot of it is kind of just learned through experience over time and a lot of trial and error. Uh, but I think that's, you know, really just putting a lot of effort into education and making sure that who I was studying had the same goals as me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, so what, I mean, uh, besides metric goals, what are some of those goals that you looked for that were aligned with, you know, finding the right clients? That's a great question. So the, so the goals that I had for finding clients or finding the education? Well, I think finding the right clients that were in aligned with how you work. And, you know, it sounds like mm-hmm. where you were saying, obviously education is important, but I think that there's a bigger picture there. 
Totally. So I made all of the mistakes, right? I took on a bunch of clients I shouldn't. Um, I didn't stick up for myself. There's a designer, his name is Mike Montero. I think everybody should read what he writes. He's wonderful. Um, I used to tell people don't go on his, don't look him up on Twitter because it's just like uh, angry man yells at, at, at internet. <laughs> but and he just deleted his Twitter account. It was literally just him freaking out about our current political state in the United States, which was fine. That's his opinions. Um, he finally realized that that's an unhealthy thing to keep doing, so he doesn't do it anymore. Sorry, tangent, but he is brilliant at teaching how to present and sell design. And I just translated a lot of that to SEO. And I made all of every, like looking at all of his things that he says don't do, it's like, okay, well, I did all of those. You know, I took on clients that I knew immediately were red flags. I took on clients that were like, hey, I love this plan. Can we take the uh, what you you have set for goals for the first three months? Can we move those down to one month? And I was like, sure, no problem. And then after a week, they're like, hey, can we bump up some of these deliverables? And I was like, I just want you to know that I laid out these tasks for three months, and you're literally asking me to do them in two weeks. Isn't that crazy? I think everybody does that, though, when you're starting to work with clients. It's sure, and there's this fear. It's kind of like you don't go to a gym and you set a goal to lose 50 pounds and it's going to take you six months and hey can we do this in 30 days i mean it's anyways but we do that to ourselves we do and i think that that's one of those things that you can read it in a blog post a hundred times um i've listened to there's a guy named paul jarvis um who is really a, a wonderful designer but he also did freelance for a long time he teaches a lot about freelancing i've heard him say a hundred times uh, all of these warnings about doing client work and making these kind of mistakes and, you know, what to say and what not to and what to do, when to back down and when to stick up for yourself and all of these things. Um, and I made, I still made all the mistakes. I still did all of it. Cause you're like, I just need money. Like I just need mm-hmm. clients. Like nobody's going to, I can't keep t- saying that I do SEO client services when I have one client or two clients. So I just kept going and I, I made a bunch of mistakes Um, but now I'm at the place and I love this where, you know, I, I say no a lot. I'm not super cool. I'm not going to like come on your podcast, Kim, and try to like cool guy everybody and be like, you know, I turned down like 50% of the work. I just have all these leads coming in and I just turn them all down because they're not a good fit. It's $5,000 just to to get on my waiting list. (laughs) I just, yeah. Like I hate it when people try to cool guy me like that. And they're like, you know, you should turn down most of the work. I turned down work. I, th- I just, the money is not worth it to me. Okay, well, shut up. That's a lie. Um, and two, I, you know, I'm not like thriving. We're not like, I don't have like gobs of money, but like, I know now, at least if I'm going to take on a client that looks like there's some red flags, I'm aware, mm-hmm. right? When I, I had a client, uh, a lead come in and we t- had a bunch of back and forth and they're like, you know, we want 20% off. And I'm like, well, cool. I noticed you also have this. So I did like a, a very strong or not strong, a very smart negotiation tactic. I'm like, hey, I noticed you also have this other project. You have two projects you're working on because I did my homework on them. I'm like, if we bundle those together and we do both projects at the same time, I'll give you 20% off because it's, you know, essentially like it's, it's way yeah. more money. Um, but I'll give you a discount for, for more than one project. And they're like, nah, we just want 20% off. And if this goes well, we'll think about doing the other one. I was like, it's not a good fit. I yeah. don't, you know, you don't, you don't roll up on, uh, you don't, you don't roll up to the Tesla dealership and be like, yeah, I, can you just give me 20% off? Can you just give me that. Can I, can I just get 20% <laughs> off of Bentley? Can I just, not that Teslas and Bentleys are the same, but like, you know, when something is premium and I want I think this is my core message on this. When something's premium, you don't ask for a discount. Well, and they I didn't think see me as premium. They don't see you as premium, but and we won't go sideways with this. It's also why I got out of doing websites. But there's something about this space, particularly that I think there's such, you know, people who don't do it. So the clients, right? That they think that you're just desperate for their business or something. I I don't see any other industry. I've never gone in to get my hair done or get a massage and be like, well, you did that wrong. So I want a deal or I did. I just, I don't do it. I mean, I'm not saying if something's messed up with my hair, I wouldn't challenge it, but it, it's just the strangest industry. I don't know of anything else where, you know, like dumb example, and I won't go on a 
too long of a side rant. I had a local client one time, which is why I stopped doing local stuff. Uh, they were, they sold tile and everything. And they're like, well, can you come into the office like once a week and, you know, help us, yeah. you know, we can work through the site. And I'm like, sure, it's $150 each time. Oh. And I'm like, well, do you want to come and show me once a week how to tile my house for free? Like, right. it's, it's just, anyways, that's a little bit of a, no, 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 no. It's a really good point. And I think that's really fair. And it's something a lot of people, and again, we say this, but until you're in that situation, you're not really going to know. And then it'll be like, oh, that's what Kim and Brendan were talking about here. Here I am. Yep. Now I know. Well, and then, the, and this is the last little off script piece. I, I have finally got to this place in my life. And I think it is through the experience and through learning the hard way where you get those niggly feelings in your gut. And so you, you can look at all of the, che- the red flag checklist, right? And nope, 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 no, nope, nope. But, you know, I, I, collaborations that I've done with people is an example. And it's like, no. And I started doing another one. And I, man, I cut it short in three weeks. I'm like, nope, not a good fit. Switch to somebody else. And it's been like speed of lightning because I listened mm-hmm. to myself. So there's that piece that as you gain the experience, you bring into it too. Yeah. And if people can learn from our mistakes, like obviously that, I think that's absolutely amazing. But the more you can learn what those red flags are and then stick to your guns. The thing is you have to remember, and and listen, I'm not, I'm coming from a big place of privilege, right? Like I am a highly educated, everybody loves to say they're middle class. Like we're, you're not middle class. Most of us, like I am an upper class white male in 2018 in the United States of America with education and my personality fits what I do. I am literally playing this game of life on the easiest mode possible. So for me to sit here and tell anybody, turn down money, stick to your gut and stick to your values and turn down money, understand that like, I'm very aware that that comes from a big place of privilege. And I think that you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But I think that the longer you're in business over a long enough timeline, you'll understand the headspace of not having these bad clients and then reverse engineering. How did I get in this situation? Most of my bad clients come from referrals. Huh, what am I doing wrong with referrals? Oh, most of my bad clients come from uh, leads through my website. What's my website? Is it a positioning thing? Am I, in my case, you know, you said you don't work with the local anymore. People are always like, well, do you rank for uh, SEO in Chicago? No, because those <laughs> leads are horrible. Yeah. They all want, they're, they're literally the worst. The people Googling Chicago SEO are, you know, for the most part not going to be great clients in terms of billings, but also in terms of like how much they respect you. Right. So things like that, I think, again, like take it with a grain of salt, but understand on a long enough timeline, you're going to win if you can start saying no to things that don't feel right. That's at the end of the day. I totally agree. There is a, uh, an energy that, that is so consumed by people. When I stop doing service work, like I don't ever mind looking at my email inbox. <laughs> <laughs> you see that email come in and you see the client's name and you're just like, oh, sh-. like I'm at my kid's soccer game and I see an email from a client. And I'm like, I don't I can't deal with this right now. Right, right. Just, and the, and the, the email is just like, hey, just want to say I saw that update you did. It's great. And you're like, whoo, OK, we're good. <laughs> exactly. But all right. So that was a little bit of a sideways tangent. But I do think a lot of people listening, it's so going to resonate and it doesn't matter what service work you're doing. Um, and I agree. There is an element to you take the work. It's <laughs> not to pull in Gary V, but I always do. It's like, look, you need the money. Go, go sell shit. You know, it's like he, he doesn't hesitate to, you do what you got to do to keep growing. So there's that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk, let, let's get into SEO. And I would love, I don't know if it's a 10,000 foot view or whatnot, but how, what has changed, you know, in in the time frame that you've been doing this? That what are some of the big changes that you think are maybe beneficial or that people should pay attention to? Yeah, so let's so let's time travel back. Let's get in the DeLorean. We'll time travel <laughs> back and talk about where SEO was when I started. When when I started, it was, you know, you have your content on your website, and then you build all of these secondary properties around it like uh, Squidoo and WordPress.com and Blogspot and all of these things. You build all these properties that link to your main content. And then you just, those secondary properties, you just hammer those with like garbage links in that that they kind of siphon out the badness and like give you the good kind of uh, link authority. It was just this scammy, any OGs that are listening will remember like uh, build my rank 
and backlink genie and the ultimate <laughs> article the ultimate article spinner article marketing robot like all of these technologies to just spam the internet with links to your website on sites that you know links from sites nobody will ever read because they're terrible um that's where seo was when i started the, do you remember the good, really quick the good guys were teaching that stuff pat flynn was teaching do that right right what, there was another site it was was it hub pages wasn't hub yep. okay oh, yeah yeah i remember that with squidoo and hub pages it and like it was info like barrel and all of them <laughs> yep yep i clearly was doing that and nobody thought they were black hat they were just like you know this is this is fine. This is what you have to do to rank quickly for competitive things. And then, so that's where it was, which was a mess. And I got, uh, I know a bunch of people who just have like war stories of like trying to bring sites back once Google was like, I think this is bad for humans. We're going to fix this. Um, so they fixed it on a long enough timeline. Google can pretend that they are about self-driving cars and Google glass and the future and blah, blah, you know, whatever, sending people to other planets. I don't know whatever they're doing and they can pretend they're about these things. They're really about, they're an advertising company. Absolutely. The vast majority of their revenue comes from people clicking ads in search. And if their search engine loses credibility, I don't know if you've done a search on a Bing or duck, duck go in a while, Mm -mm. the results are very bad. They're not good. And if you went there and you were like, ugh. These are not helpful. The telling me these, this is the answer to my question. And these are all really bad. If go, if that happens to Google, they're going to lose all of their money. This huge company, they don't get to do all that cool stuff that they want to do. And they are going to voraciously protect the quality of search results by making sure that those search results are the best for people. They're the best for humans. And They're rewarding over time now more than ever, and tomorrow will be better than it is today. They're rewarding really genuine, good, smart, you know, good for people content and link building and things like that. Whatever makes it better for humans, do that. I was talking to um, my buddy the other day. UX is becoming a bigger part of SEO. Why? Because that's better for people. Yeah. If they... You know, like it's not so on YouTube, they they figured out with YouTube because they have the platform. When somebody comes to your website from Google, they don't have all the info. If you have Google Analytics, they kind of have some. Don't pretend like they don't take that info and then either sell it or use it. Um, But they on YouTube, they reward watch time and session time, how much you stay on YouTube. They can't really do that on your website. But I think if they could, that would determine rankings. Right. Okay. People are here. What are they doing? How are they engaging? If they could watch that, that would determine ranking. So UX is going to be a bigger role in SEO in the future. Um, as opposed to, again, like the days of uh, backlink genie are definitely behind us. <laughs> well, but backlinks still matter, right? But they need to be earned and good and legitimate. Hundred, hundred percent. At an agency level, uh, we do so much outreach, good human outreach. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about Russell Brunson and he introduced me to this idea of the, uh, I think it's Chet Holmes had this idea of like the dream 100. Yep. Uh, yep. If I could only work with a hundred people, who would they be? And I'll just, just whatever I have to do to work with them. That's what I'm going to do. I look at that every single client, um, me and my team, we put together a dream 100 for that client. If they could only, if we could only get them a hundred links, what would those hundred links be? Where would they be from? And then we send out the most, I mean, we want to be friends with those hundred people who own those hundred websites. I don't have any, I I don't care about the link, to be honest with you. I want to be friends with you so that if I similar, like similar to you and I, Kim, like I don't have any, I don't want to link from you. I don't care. I want to be friends with you because over time we build this relationship where I'm going to link to your stuff. You're going to link to my stuff. And it's going to be so natural that Google's going to see it and be like, oh, that's what we were looking for. That's that looks like that's good for humans because we're just humans being humans. And that's kind of the goal. It's like I, we try to scale this as much as possible, but we spend I think hours writing emails, writing one email to people. And then we follow up once because that's 
being a good human. I don't know. Do you get those, Kim, do you get those emails that are like, uh, as per my last email, they've emailed you six times and you have not replied. And you're like, what? <laughs> it blows me away. I've actually, I've actually, done, I did a post one time, how to guarantee I won't respond to you. I'm like, mm-hmm. don't get pissed. Cause we don't, I have no idea who you are. I don't owe you a response or it's, Oh, I liked this. I mean, here's here's a dumb example, but I had somebody reach out to me because they heard me on uh apparently he said he heard me on Duct Tape mm-hmm. Marketing with John Chance, and he's like, "We do podcasting services, and you sh- you would be great on a podcast." I'm all, "Hey, ding dong, I've been podcasting for five years." Like, I, I just yeah. responded to him and I said I wasn't mean, but I just said you know, you might want to dig a little deeper next time. And what would have been great, what could have totally turned it around for him if he's, is if he had said, I'm really sorry, you totally caught me with my pants down. I I would love to just, you know, buy you a virtual cup of coffee. Let's have a chat. Not that he has to buy me anything. But you know what I'm saying? It was, it was mm-hmm. but still that fear. And I, I get those all the time. We saw your resources page on the WordPress Ugh. chick, which is old and hasn't been updated. How about linking to this? How about No. <laughs> See, and that's what that's what the gurus are still teaching. They're teaching that like, you know, here, type into Google like best, you know, content marketing resources and then email all of those people to add your links like it doesn't work. I don't want you to add my link to your resources page. I want to be friends with you. Like, I don't know what's going to come of it. Maybe it'll be some links, but like the hope is that we have a great long standing relationship and we can work together for years. Is that going to help me? Yeah. Is that going to help you? Yeah. Is that going to help my clients if I'm reaching out on behalf of them? A hundred percent. Like that's the goal. And I think that's where SEO, there's only one other person other than Russell Brunson. There's only one other person that I've heard talk about this and his name's Glenn Alsup. He is, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, one of the smartest SEO people out there. He's one of the Yep. Yep. He's one of the few people that does original research and like discovers things that you're just like, wow, I never, I had no idea, Glenn. Um, I get to chat with him on Skype every once in a while and I feel super fortunate because I still kind of fan out when I talk (laughs) to him. He's like, Brendan, I'm a normal person. He's like, I enjoy talking to you because I don't have a ton of people like around me, like physically that I can talk to about this stuff. And I'm like still kind of freaking out because I've been reading Viper Chill for years And yeah, so he was the only other person and I want to give credit where it's due. Like he was, once I saw Russell talk about it and then I, Glenn mentioned it to me, I'm like, this is it. This is the, this is the future. It feels right too, you know? Yeah. So basically, so as an example, and and please course correct me here, but so Mm -hmm. like, obviously you provided value. Then we did this live stream, which you provided massive value to my community. And it's like, so Google's going to love it if I get that video up with a post and it links to this and it shows, oh, we did this. And then months later, we did this. And it's all for the audience, right? So instead of thinking, because I'm not going to rank for SEO, like, I mean, the term SEO, I can't get that. But how would the content of us having done a live stream and a podcast and creating content, how, like, how would that play into effect for my audience in terms of SEO? Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you frame it? Well, as an example, like I'm not going to, I wouldn't choose the keyword SEO to try and rank Mm -hmm. two posts, like with one with a video with you and one with a podcast, right? So, but yet still there's a ton of value for my audience. It's good content. It's real content, you know? So where, how does that play into say an SEO strategy for Google? Like how does that, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's good content. My audience likes it, but there's no way (laughs) that they're going to rank for the keyword SEO. Yeah. So a couple things that are really cool. I I'm big. I know you're big on transcripts. Um, I think that getting, you can get some really cool long tail stuff going on. If you write, I just put a, a post on my website. Tim Ferriss had tweeted a while back, like, Hey, would you guys like me to turn my podcast into long form blog posts? And I'm it, my brain like instantly goes into hustle mode. I'm like, Hey Tim, yes, I would. And I already did one for you. Cause I want you to see what I think it should look like. And I did one on his episode with Derek Sivers and I, I just posted it. I, it stayed in draft mode cause I only wanted Tim to see it for a long time. And then I was like, I should just publish this. Like we didn't end up working together. Uh, why not just publish it on my site? And it's, it's so well thought out and it's so it's long suit. Obviously it's like three or 4,000 words. Cause it was like a, you know, it's Tim Ferriss. So it's like a nine hour podcast. Um, and like, 
I, I'm sure it's going to rank for stuff. It's probably not going to be ranked first for Derek Sivers, but it's just really good. And it also is, it's interesting, right? Content has more purpose than just SEO, but I think it's also really interesting to have on my site. I think that turning any sort of interview or whatever into long form content on whatever it is uh, that you talk about. So maybe like if I were you, Kim, although it's weird for me to like tell you what to do with content because that's what your superpower is. (laughs) Well, but like I think that like turning it into you can do so much with it that like you're not trying to rank whatever we're talking about today for SEO or any like like quote SEO keywords. You're not going to rank for backlinks or on page SEO or anything like that. But you can use it as an angle to rank for something around content creation, right? Let's take everything Brendan said and let's make it around something I can rank for, something that's even more value to my audience. Um, There's a guy named Matt Diavella who does this. He's really good at video. He does a lot on YouTube, but he takes his podcast and every single interview he has, he splices up like highlights and he makes a smaller video about one narrow topic they talked about. And that narrow topic might be, minimalism or you know eating organic or something and now he's ranking he's got a video ranking for eating organic um that the whole podcast wouldn't rank for so you can kind of create this smaller or more like focused content around things that i think is really valuable which so and especially i mean with the i don't know how to how to phrase this but i mean the the internet is not new anymore although it's not super old I, I, you know, uh, long tail, there's a lot more chance of, of ranking for long tail and getting traction that way anyways. And the other piece of it is in how you position it. It's like, what's the best value for the audience, not the search engine, right? Definitely. And I think too, like I'm really big. This is one thing I tell clients right away is I need to do an analysis of, do you have linkable assets? Do you have something on your site I can link to other than the homepage, right? If you have an ultimate guide to, uh, turning a podcast into a blog post. Well, I could link to that. That seems like that would be a really valuable resource for a post that I'm writing, right? Or if you shared that with somebody, hey, uh, I'm in four or five Facebook groups uh, of podcasters and I, sh- I could share it in there. And so I'm sure somebody will link to it at some point. Again, like playing the long game and being able to get into people's ecosystem is really big. And I think too, the more you create linkable assets, like the number one way we get links is not by asking for links is by creating really good content for people often in the form of guest posts. Um, Google loves to say that guest posting is dead, but that's just wrong. That's just not <laughs> true. Um, I mean, cool that they want to tell people that and pe- I hope more people listen cause that makes my job way easier, but you know, creating guest posts and then in the guest post, I don't have to try to cram a weird link in there. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You're, it's it's that stuffing element of, I don't know, for myself, it's way easier to just create content of value, period, and then go back and how can I optimize this? Or, oh, I can actually add an H2 tag here that makes sense. But I've, I, I don't start out that way. I have to do it of what's the value for the reader. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it also would make, it seems it, it is so much more natural to put your great resource in with five other great resources, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So even on your own posts, then you want to say, and hey, if you want to take this further, then external links to content that supports what you've already created, right? Is that what you mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think in the, you know, in the article, it just, it's so much more native. I think Google knows a hundred percent when something doesn't fit. Yeah. If you're, so your web, you know, if I'm writing about WordPress and all of a sudden there's a link to a coffee blog <laughs> that it counts, but Google knows like that's a WordPress site and this is a coffee site. Maybe it's fine. I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but it would be way better if we got that coffee blog, a bunch of links from other coffee blogs and from, you know, coffee industry websites and things like that. If you're writing about WordPress, getting links from other WordPress sites in articles about WordPress are going to be really helpful. Same for me with SEO, right? I can't like throw a link on like, uh, you know, my buddy's just to further the example, my buddy's coffee blog, like that's weird. Uh, and Google's like, well, you know, we're not going to penalize you, but like, we're not going to give not, you points either. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get any authority points because that's just strange. Um, and they know that stuff and they will know that more and know it better as time goes on. So I think again, like playing the long game and looking at SEO as a, it's obviously I'm super bullish on it just because I believe 
it is one of the few methods where people are actually seeking what you're trying to say versus you forcing it on them. Um, so yeah, I think that that's kind of the future of things. Well, you know, it's funny when you think about it, it's like, you know, for the amount of time you spend creating crap, create one piece of really good content versus three crummy posts and like, let it work for you. You know, the long game, I'm so about the long game. I've not that I've tried the black hat or any of that kind of stuff, but I'd rather take the time to do something really well and let it work for me and give it the time and attention. Okay, I want to pivot a little bit. Well, can I, want- I before we pivot, can I give an example? For yeah, what you said? please. Um, I have some some of my first SEO clients. My first SEO client uh, is my buddy Shane. I've gone to church with him for years. Love him. I uh, love his family. And I just decided to start helping him. I was like, you're going to be my first case study. Uh, I would advise that anybody who does a service-based business and you're like, how do I start? Work for free for somebody who's really good quantify what you've done and then write up a case study and then market the heck out of that case study. Get it everywhere. Get everybody to see it. I Somebody love will case be like, studies. I love yep. Them. And like, don't just be like, you know, especially if you're, this is easy for SEO because I can show an, an ROI with hard numbers. So if you're like, how do I do design or how do I do X, Y, and Z? Um, find ways to quantify it. If it's design, like show that conversions went up, show that people, you know, uh, you know, pages per visit went up in a good way. Sometimes pages per visit going up is bad because they can't find things they're looking for. Um, just be able to tell that story. Anyways, he was, he's a wedding photographer. He's super successful already. He wanted to take his business to another level. Uh, we worked together. He made a bunch of money. Again, we could quantify that in Google Analytics that like these people opted in. They became clients. He's like, hey, man, your work literally gave me $42,000. Boom. Awesome headline. Mm-hmm. Love it. Right. <laughs> And that was super helpful. But what I realized is that photographers see themselves as artists, not business people. So I started a website called Photo MBA. Bad website name. uh, Made more sense in my head. It looks like Photomba if you write it out. (laughs) Uh, Like Photobomb. It's kind of weird and kind of bad. But anyways, Photo MBA, I was like, I want to teach photographers about business and online marketing. They have no idea what to do when it comes to this stuff. So I built the website. There it brings, I have a course on it. I've uh, gotten a bunch more photographer clients as SEO clients, uh, from the website. So it's doing really well for me in terms of like moving my revenue up. Uh, there's 11 posts on the website. But they're really good posts. They're really good. They're very long form and they were done with a lot of SEO research in terms of what am I going to go after? And then also, the, I, I needed the writing to be very compelling, written for humans, not for any writing for robots doesn't work anymore. Um, Google's a master of synonyms. So you don't have to like, people are like, well, what are my keywords? I'm like, they don't matter. To- it's all topical now. If you rank for like, you know, backlinks, you're probably going to also rank for building links and link building. Like Google knows those are all the same. You're probably going to rank for all of them. So the, the keywords matter much less. But anyways, I wanted to really prove your point of like, hey, I don't need a million posts. I don't need to publish. People are like, well, I, you know, how often do I write? Once a year? I don't know. <laughs> do just write, like, what if you just wrote once a year, but everything was like a year of effort? Like that would probably do really well. And that's an insane example. But like I have 11 posts on the website and it's a huge asset for my business. Well, isn't that Brian Dean of Backlinko? Doesn't he only have like 35 posts and he gets like a yeah. million visits or something? Hmm. I mean, another example, like at a higher tier, but I, I totally agree with you. And you know, it's interesting because I will. Pub- it's all, well, go sorry, ahead. I don't mean to cut. Off. No, no, no. Writing blogs about SEO are weird because I hate it when people use their SEO blogs as examples. Not you saying this, but like him using his own website as an example. It's easier to get a link about articles about getting links. If that makes because his yeah. target audience are all website owners. If you're a window cleaner. Uh, my buddy Will owns a really amazing window company here in Chicago. It's hard for him to get links because all of the people he knows and the people reading his website do not own websites to then link to him. SEO, people like to say like SEO is the most competitive niche. False, number one, uh, legal, pharmaceutical, real estate. These are h- way harder niches. It's also really easy if you write an article about getting links to get links to that article. Does that make sense? It totally does. And it's I really weird, appreciate you yeah. not calling him out, but stating the facts. <laughs> I mean, I also call out people who have like three. If, if you have a beginner's course that's $4,000, 
we probably don't sit at the same lunch table. So mine is, is free. I did a content traffic Kickstarter course and I'm like, yep. I'm giving it away. I'm giving it yep. away. 30 lessons in there. Yeah, I did the same. I made a productivity course. I was like, I could sell this or I could change some people's lives and just give it away for free. So I did. I was like, I don't, this isn't going to be a business driver for me, but it would change the the feedback I got. I'm sure you've gotten great feedback. Yours is a little more aligned with what you do. Uh, but I, like right now, I'm making a free SEO course. I just want people to see it. I want them to get traction. I want them to get value out of it. Um, and that's, you know, that's the main goal. But that's also the long game, right? I mean, yep. and again, 100%. To, to quote Gary Vee, I do listen to other people, everybody, but it's always the right thing to do the right thing. So on that note, um, so what, what I'd like to talk a little bit about is repurposing content and other platforms, right? I've really started to look at, there's a lot of people who might teach, just push everything everywhere. And I, I don't know for, you know, here's a great example is somebody had said to me once, um, you know, oh, because books are a big thing, right? Like publishing books mm -hmm. is whether it's free plus shipping or whatever. Oh, you could take all your blog posts and put them into a book. And I was like, I don't think I could like it just not all of them, but pick a topic or a category. And I'm like, it just feels cheating. Like that's not serving a reader if I'm just going to pull and I'm not saying not to do that for people, but you'd have to give it away if that was the case. So, so in a way, like repurposing content to me, there has to be this value of the context and why people are following you where and then how that plays into SEO. So I'm just going to let you take the ball and run with that, but I'd <laughs> like to discuss it. So I think the first thing is when people say that, um, number one, they don't they don't know what their goals are, right? Like if they're like, well, I, I get asked that. I see it in Facebook groups. You know, I'm super active trying to answer questions. People are like, should I be on Pinterest? Um can you give us some context? Like, what are you, like, should you be on Pinterest? I don't know. Are you writing about SEO? Are you writing about gardening? Are you writing about babies? I have no idea if you should be on Pinterest. And even if like, there's a big audience on Pinterest, do you know how to do that? Do you like doing that? Like these things matter. So I think a lot of times people ask, you know, questions and they think that also like, so they ask questions without goals in mind. Also, this whole idea of be everywhere, it's freaking exhausting, Kim. Yeah, it's yeah. so much. People are like, well, so a couple, a couple quick gripes. Number one, the whole idea, uh, Gary's thing, document, don't create. Like, don't create content, just document your journey. Horrible advice. <laughs> Horrible advice. He did not ever do that without a team of 20 people. He's like, man, I wish I had this when I started. No, Gary, you don't. Because you didn't have time to document back then. You were so busy working. And that's how you got to the point where you had enough money to leverage into a personal brand to document. Telling a newbie to document instead of creating, you're literally doubling their workload. And you are slowing down their success in half. They should be heads down focusing on their business. I just disagree with him on that. Well, and you know um, what? Can I jump in? Because I agree. Because yeah. I used I used the little everything is content, right? That's my hashtag. But mm -hmm. it's contextual again. And the other thing with Gary Vee, where I totally agree with you, because I forgot we talked about this on your on the live stream, but he's not documenting his work. He's documenting the brand, meaning yep. you're not in there. You're not getting the documentation of of you get to see him traveling. You get to see him talking, but you don't see what it took to build Vayner Sports, the next thing, right? Or his new men's brand or whatever. You're not seeing – he's not documenting. There's a ton of stuff we don't see that is his actual business. We see the documentation of the brand, not And also Vaynermedia. starting is not that interesting. Right? It's just us sitting at a laptop a lot. Like, I'm not – like, jet setting or whatever else. <laughs> my life. It's very hard. It, it and you really also need is. other people. Yeah. Like, who's, who's going to be my – who's – there's this funny video on YouTube, Kim, called uh, Instagram Husbands. Like, behind <laughs> – like, of just these husbands that follow their wives around and, like, take all those funny pictures of them standing in front of, like, brick walls and whatever. I'm like, who's going to be my Instagram husband? Like, I don't – who's going to take a picture of me looking pensive at my cell phone? Right. Like, I don't oh my know. God, friend. Or you know what? I'm like, I'm like, okay, nobody, how many pictures do people want to see of me walking my dogs, making my juice, just doing my thing. So then you feel like, well, my life is really boring. How do I document it? And I mean, I've let go of any attachment to what that looks like. I do it when it feels right, organic, mm -hmm. and there's something fun to share. 
Yeah, I think the other thing is too. So that was my first point. Documenting, not creating is hard. Uh, number two, I think that we people don't realize that when you put content everywhere, it's exhausting. Uh, not to you, but to your audience. If I, if you, this is something. This is something I uh, talked to the team at Fizzle about. It's another co- I, community because yep, I'm like I a community love junkie. Those guys. Yeah, yep. I actually saw them live in the city. They did a little workshop a few years ago. San They're wonderful. Uh, yeah. Steph. Uh, Crowder, who's a team member on Fizzle, used to live in Chicago, so I got to meet with her a few times. She's a wonderful human being. And I uh, had Jason Corbett and Steph on my podcast. They're great. Barrett Brooks, who used to work for Fizzle, works for ConvertKit now. And um, anyways, what they would do is they would take their their podcast and then they would turn it into a blog post and a medium. They would repurpose it like seven ways. One piece of content, seven ways, and they're like, look at all this distribution. And what I said was, I just said, hey, like, how how do you think, like, if you're trying to serve people how, for your most diehard fans, that's exhausting. And Gary does the same thing. He's so prolific, puts out so much content. There's almost no focus to it yeah. that, like, you're just like, oh, bro, I cannot take another 45-minute daily V today. Like I got work to do. And then you miss a couple and then you start, the brand starts living in your brain in a weird place where you feel like, ugh, I don't like it. I don't want to think about it. Cause I got to go catch up on all these things. Like, you know, when you're putting out a daily podcast and these people forget that there is, there's no issue with attention span, right? Like you and I will both watch Netflix for four hours and not think <laughs> anything of it. But people say that they're like, we have a decreasing attention span. False. No way. <laughs> Like we have plenty of attention span. It's just more democratic now. And I don't know how I, it is like, every time I talk to you, Brandon. I just love you more. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah. So I think like anyways, when you keep repurposing your content and you keep trying to be everywhere, that's good for the top of funnel people who are like brand new, introducing them to the brand. But when you're doing that too much, it's very exhausting to your diehard fans. And it's very exhausting to your regular readers. If you're constantly hitting them with, check out my latest podcast, check out my Instagram post, check out my tweet, check out this thing that will go over here. Now you're in my Instagram story. Check out this thing on Twitter. Check out this giveaway. Check out this. Oh, too much. Too much. And can I tell you, it's funny because I'll, two perfect examples of that. One is when people automatically do the Instagram to Facebook and back and forth. I'm like, I just saw this. I was on it. I just saw this. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll do that, but I I'll share it to like a business page, not my personal profile, but I don't know if that's right. Or the other thing is there are people that will do live streams every day. It has become so diluted to me. I just ignore them now. I'm like, I I'm like, you're just talking to talk is how it starts feeling. I'm like, Where's the value here? And and it is hard because then on the flip side of that, it's hard not to feel like, well, Facebook likes live. You know, they they give me more love and attention when I go live. But I'm like, it kind of comes back to the 1,000 true fans versus 10,000 garbage fans, right? 100%. Do I want a million followers? Maybe. Would I rather have 5,000 that buy everything that I make? Hell yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And... I think the thing is too, and this is something, uh, sorry to be super ranty. I feel like I'm like dragging down the mood. Oh no, no, like, it's fun. And, and you're, I don't think you're a negative net at all. <laughs> when you're making that much content, this is a question I ask myself when I'm making this much content, how much time am I leaving for people to do something with it? You say you care about your fans. You say you care about your followers, but then you're just constantly, Oh, click that little bell on YouTube so you can get notifications. Get the, Oh, I'm doing a a 10 second club on Instagram. If you, if you comment in the first 10 seconds after I do a post, I'm giving away a puppy, like all that crap. Like what are you first in line with Gary V that shit drives me crazy. You're hurting people more than you're helping, which tells me that you care about yourself more than your audience. Like what if somebody radically was just like, Hey, I'm not publishing for a week, but I'm going to send you an email every single day that says you need to take action. I want you to reply and tell me what of my content you're taking action on today because I'm not making any new content. You don't have anything to watch from me. I want you to do something. People won't do that, right? And it's just like that stuff frustrates me. And I think that people pretend they care about their audience. They really just care about themselves. Um, And not like Gary specifically, but like I think a lot of people who are very prolific with their content, they they just – they don't stop. The, the machine is getting bigger and bigger and going faster and faster. 
And I think that I don't want anybody listening to this to feel like they have to match that machine, both because it's really hard, but also maybe that's not the right path for you, right? Absolutely. And you know, the whole content creation element, like my everything is content, it flipped for me because it removed the stigma that it all had to be such intense, structured keyword format, like people overthink it. And I think the magic happens in the doing. So when you start sharing and thinking, where can I provide value? Where can I be honest? Where can I be a real human being? And you just stop overthinking all of it. That's kind of my little spin with everything is content is if there's a lesson or a story or some value that you can share, share it, let go of what it's supposed to do. Not every piece of content has to convert. It maybe just touches someone's heart and makes their day, right? That's my mission. <laughs> I, I could not agree more. And that's the thing with SEO too, right? When somebody's Googling something, they have a problem. Well, what if they can come there and then to your site and you help them? It's not, oh, I got conversions, my opt-in rates, all the Sumo plugins. Like I, I use Sumo on my site, but it's kind of like people just, it's just, oh, 20 pop-ups and a hello bar and all these things. And it's like, is that, is that really helping them? It's getting your numbers up. But like, is that really helping people? And I think that's what it always comes back to for me. Okay. So with that, like, and I agree, I, I totally agree. And I think people listening to this are breathing a huge sigh of relief because it's, <laughs> well, it's almost this permission to just, just do your thing, let go. Right. And it's, there's so much judgment that can happen around not doing enough. And then people become immobilized because they don't know where to start because it's just yes. too much. And truly there is something that happens in the mastery of what you're doing. Like to flip it, if I could get people to just think, God, who I become in the process of taking three weeks to write a really good blog post and then seeing the reward, like that's the reward in and of itself that you created this great piece. And, and then it does pay off. It just may not be, you know, $10 million overnight, but <laughs> it will pay off. Um, so what are your thoughts then on? repurposing content, where frequency, whatever. I mean, I know you're, I so agree with the, you know, be everywhere is exhausting, but mm -hmm. what would you maybe guide someone or suggest they do? Uh, so I'm, I'm torn two ways. The, the conventional piece of advice that I've heard from a lot of people is look at where your audience is. If they're there, you should be putting stuff there. Are they on Facebook? Like what social are they on? What, uh, are they on medium? Are they somewhere else? Like, where are they? and make stuff there for them. And I, you can tell at this point, <laughs> the conversation in our relationship that I kind of just don't want to do what people tell me to do. <laughs> so I started, cause I've tried, right? This is not me being idealistic. This is not me trying to be a fake thought leader or guru or whatever. This is me being like, I tried to do that. It doesn't work. What I always advise people is if don't look at like the end result, right? Don't look at the, uh, the noun, look at the verb. What does that look like day to day? You know, people are like, well, you know, it's this, so I should make a podcast. And you hear people make podcasts. You should have a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Do you like podcasting? Can you do that for two years without a break? Can you do a hundred episodes? Commit to a hundred episodes. If you can do that, do you like editing your podcasts? You know, same thing with YouTube. I love editing video, love editing video, hate editing audio. I hate it. I would rather encourage people to, I, the phrase follow your bliss is in my brain for, I don't think I've ever said that out loud before. So I don't know where that came from, but like do the thing you want to do the thing that you like the work of, right? People want to be writers, but they don't want to actually sit down for an hour or two and write every day. Yeah. Like do the thing that you actually enjoy the work of Screw where your audience is. They'll get the stuff. Like there's an audience everywhere, I think, at this point. I think so, Look too. at what you really enjoy doing in terms of the work and, and focus on that for a little bit. And then reassess, right? But commit to it for a long enough period of time. So if I'm going to repurpose content, like if I'm going to take the, you know, our workshop that we did, uh, the, the live stream, we, and I want to repurpose that, right? Cool. Well, I'm going to repurpose it in places where I think it'll serve my audience, obviously because I'm in marketing, like, and I'm in SEO, it would make sense for me to do that. But can I also turn it into a YouTube video? Can I splice up the Q and a section and make separate videos for each of those? Right. That's Things like idea. that. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm doing that because YouTube's obviously the second biggest search engine, but I'm not going on Pinterest. 
not doing it. I'm sure I could do, I'm sure I could pin the, all the things and do the whatevers. I don't know that make those really vertical images that are supposed to do good. Um, I don't know, but I don't like doing that. So I'm not going to do it. It's not sustainable, right? Like I really believe this is something, uh, my friends Jason and Caroline Zook talk about a lot. They have a really cool community. God, all the communities, Brendan, called Wandering Aimfully. And they they always talk about like working to live, right? And if you don't like your life, if, I, if I'm building my business, Kim, and I don't like what the actual work is to build the business, like there's no way I do it for 10 years and come out the other end the person that I want to be. So I would really encourage people like, yeah, look at where your audience is, but also look at like, what do you like doing? And the best way to... Again, beginner question, love it. How do I find that out? Do a bunch of stuff. You just <laughs> dine dine at the buffet of content. D- do a podcast for a little bit. Do make YouTube videos. Do a bunch of writing. Like do all of the things and then decide, oh, okay, I really like that. Yeah, maybe I maybe I'll pursue that a little bit. Right. And the first thing I would also encourage people to, um, this is just general advice, but like the thing you're doing now is probably not the thing you're going to be doing in five or 10 years. So it's, and that's okay. It's fine. This will transform. This will change. A couple of years ago, I was importing Brazilian jiu-jitsu uniforms <laughs> from Pakistan and China. Like it, things change and they get better. So like, it's just keep moving forward and just like, this will lend itself to the next thing. You don't, you just don't know what the next thing is yet, but you will when you look backwards. Oh, you know, it's crazy. I mean, WordPress chicken, I, I know content is relative, but just my energy and focus in one year, how people associate me with content now, you know, and so it and it's all been organic. It's 10 years in trusting, failing at stuff, trying things out. And I mean, I, I could not, I, I'm such a, a believer in the whole follow your bliss. I think that's funny you said that is, and I just think I've never said it out loud before. I was like, where's this coming from? <laughs> well, you know what? And it's crazy that the, the, the I can pinpoint three things that I did simply because I wanted to. I I started a podcast because I wanted to have more fun. That was it. I I loved, I was a podcast listener. I've always been a big audio listener, like books on tape in my car, like Zig Ziglar way back when, right? Mm, So I love audio. And that was it. I had zero attachments. It was absolutely the best thing I ever did for my business. Relationships, I had sponsorships, like stuff came from it, but I was never attached to it. I tested doing daily emails only because I wanted to get better at the craft to see if I could do it. Tripled affiliate income in like three months for one product. And then the community, the Facebook group, it, it was like, I had no attachment to it, but it's been, I just wanted to show up and, and build a group of like-minded people. And what's come from that has been phenomenal. This conversation. Mm-hmm. For so, sure. So I totally agree. Brendan, I'm going to have to have you back on. I'm like, we're already at an hour. Um, and if you can, I know on. I tend to like Joe Rogan, the podcast a little bit. I'm like, you guys got four hours to hang out and talk. Cool. I Sorry. totally do. And I'm like, you make me want to come to Chicago so we can hang out and shoot some video and chat. <laughs> That'd be rad. Um, okay. So a couple things. Where is the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah. So the best place on the internet, uh, similar to Mike Montero, my Twitter is me yelling at the internet. So ignore that. Um, Instagram. I like to do Instagram differently. I, instead of posting pictures, I like to write. So I go on Canva. I take some of my writing. I make a really cool image of it. And then I post that. Not like a motivational kind of thing. I don't know. Instagram, uh, look me up, Brendan Hufford on there. I'm the Brendan Hufford because some other Brendan Hufford stole. I don't, I don't stole my name. Uh, apparently there's two of us running around, <laughs> but that's great. And I, the hub, right? Like I, I'm an SEO guy. So I, my website has got to be my hub. Uh, I'm pretty stoked. I just got everything kind of fixed up and running great uh, on Flywheel hosting now, which I'm really happy about. Um, I think it looks super clean with a a new theme as well. So go there. Check out my new theme on brendanhufford.com. And there will probably be some cool stuff there. I'm sure that we have some cool links for them in the like show notes as well, right? Absolutely. Um, And and then lastly, is there – so if people want to work with you, they can just go through the site and get in touch with you that way. Yeah, I don't have a, again, I'm not trying to cool guy anybody, but there's no, there's a contact form. There's some other stuff you like, you'll probably find the page to work with me. Um, I, for most people like there's, you could work with me through education and, you know, I'm building a bunch of free courses and things that I think are really going to help, you know, demystify SEO. And if you're like, Hey, I did all that, tried it myself. And it just, 
I got an existing business that makes enough money that I can afford a like significant marketing budget. Uh, and I think that SEO would be great. And I'd like to hear more about how SEO would help my business. Uh, I love having those conversations. That's like my favorite thing in the world to be like, oh, look at all these opportunities. This is so cool. You guys are going to kill it. You know, so if you're wondering about that, just brendanhubbard.com. Uh, hit me up on the contact page there. Okay, awesome. And then you will definitely let me know when your free course is out so that I can share it with everybody because that'll be a next question like, <laughs> when's this course coming out? I'm sure. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. A lot of the, uh, my website right now, I have like a personal newsletter that I send out every Monday, uh, just to a couple hundred people. It's like small and intimate and very personal. Um, you can grab that there too, but the site's going to slowly transition over to be like more about SEO and less about me. Um, so you can, if you, if you go to the site and sign up, uh, for my SEO list, you'll be, it's literally the header across the entire website on every single page. Uh, you'll get first notification as well. Okay, awesome. Well, Brendan, thank you so much. God, an hour flies by with you way too quickly. And I am going to have you back on. Um, but I just I appreciate you and everything you do. And just I don't know your attitude about your your perspective is refreshing. So thank you. Cool. Thanks, Kim. And thanks for listening too. just for your audience. Uh, an hour of your time is super, super valuable. It's an hour you could have been doing something else. So I really sincerely appreciate you listening. All right, guys, you know the drill. Hang on. I'm going to repeat some of those links. Visit the show notes. As always, thanks so much for listening. All right, guys, so it's been a little bit of time since I recorded this with Brendan, and he actually has an SEO course coming out. So to get on the list for early notification, go to brendanhufford.com forward slash newsletter. And that's Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, Hufford, H-U-F-F-O-R-D.com forward slash newsletter. And you can sign up because the SEO course is coming soon. As always, guys, thanks for listening and your patience with the podcast. Life has been crazy. I love you tons. Have a fantastic rest of your day.